Hello everyone, and welcome to DP's Creative Circus. In this edition of the Creator Series, I got to catch up with LA-based sound engineer, music producer, and all-round entrepreneur, Dean Earls. Dean, originally from Ireland, left the Green Isle at a young age and took his dreams and passions to the City of Angels. Since then, he's interned and worked with Death Row Records and Atlantic Records. He currently runs at Playback LA, a studio that he set up with his business partners. Dean also started famous Hollywood car rentals. He and his associates also run an online web development firm called Gold Mines Labs, also the founder of Gold Mines MGMT, which is a music management company. To all interested parties concerned, I'll be sure to add all of Dean's professional links to the podcast description below. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my podcast with Dean Earls. Yeah, good to see you, man. So yeah, um, we, we go back a fair bit now. Um, as far as I remember it, um, we were in the same school. We were both in Newport. Yeah. You may have been a year behind me. I'm, I'm I think can't, I can't remember exactly. I think so, possibly. Did you do your leaving so. cert around 2004? Uh, well, I didn't do my leaving cert. I was only in there for first year, and then I got kicked out. Were you? <laughs> oh, no yeah. way. That's gas, Actually, man. I think, I think I, I did a, I did a month of uh, second year. I got kicked out in first year, somewhere in the middle of first year, twice, I think. Okay. And then I got back in, and they let me back in for the beginning of second year, and then I messed up again, and that was it. Mr. West and Mr. Lowry was even out. <laughs> yeah, do you remember them? Jesus, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mr. West was more of a businessman than a principal. That's what I remember, too, anyway. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I never really saw him that much in the school. Um, yeah, God, yeah, yeah. That, Bring bringing back memories there a lifetime ago. Um, how are you keeping anyway? I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Considering you know the madness that's going on in in, in, in the world right now, yeah. um, just trying to stay stay busy and stay focused as much as possible. It's it's uh, it's not it's not easy, you know, the no. current climate and whatnot. But yeah, uh, I went skydiving last week. That was kind of a cool experience. That's there, very yeah. nice. Yeah, it's got yeah. it's it's more than I've been doing anyway. <laughs> Haven't been jumping out of any planes lately anyway, that's for sure. That's yeah, cool. Um, like, is that a hobby of yours or how nah, did that all come around? the first time I ever did it, I, you know, I, um, I, something I've always wanted to do but never really like took the plunge and was like, you know, booked it or that. And so what else would you be doing during quarantine? Jumping out of planes, you know? Yeah, that's savage, man. That's pretty cool. I, it's something I've always liked to try myself. I don't know if I have the nerve to do it. I know that... Uh, your first time you're kind of strapped to your first couple of jumps, you're strapped to the instructor anyway for safety. And I think you've yeah. got to do like three or four before they let you do it by yourself or something like that. Yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty cool, man. So um, like from your career in Ireland, I know, I know that um, uh, you studied, I think I, I don't know who I heard it from exactly, but you studied sound engineering, is that right? At one point, yeah. So after, so that's I got kicked out of New Park, and mm. uh, basically my mom was like, you know, you're gonna have to get like a trade or a job or a course or find another school, but you know, no, no other school would take me at that point. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and um, I ended up 
I think I just opened the Yellow Pages one day, man, and I always knew music is what I wanted to do. I was doing a bit of DJing around that time. I was doing some pirate radio stuff. Um, actually, with uh, I don't know if you were a year or two years ahead of me, but do you remember uh, Ben Murphy? I remember Ben. Yeah, he was in my year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you were, yeah, so you were two years, you were actually three years ahead of me. Was time. I? God. Yeah. God. If you were yeah. in Ben's year, because I used to hang around with Ben and, and Graham Farrell and all them lads. That's right. Know? Yeah. Now, now it's ringing the bell. Yeah, I remember them too. Yeah. yeah. So I was the little first year guy going around with all these fourth year guys <laughs> telling, me, telling me to do bad things, you know? Oh God, we'd say we were terrible influence, didn't you? Uh, yeah. I think that was probably your worst influence on them, but yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was good times. But um, yeah. I actually used to do during the summer in that first year. I, I was doing a uh, pirate radio. It used to be um, a DLR, I think it was called, and then it was called Hits One Hundred Six. I know? remember DLR. Yeah, Jesus. You remember DLR? Yeah, yeah. I do yeah, yeah. They used to but operate from a shed or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, a, a little shitty shed in someone's back garden, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we'd be in there, and you know they tell you. Anybody that calls looking for DJs to do these gigs and stuff, um, you got to tell us. And blah blah blah. I used to me. I used to take the gigs, and me and Ben would go and do this, do these That's gigs brilliant. yourself. That's and I remember brilliant. doing, I remember doing a Christmas party for this. Like, uh, it was like an you know older people were kind of old, and at the time we only had like dance records and stuff like that. I had one CD with a Christmas compilation on it, and I think they ended up playing the CD over and over again for the whole night, man. And oh those fifty gosh. times, you That's know, brilliant. It was embarrassing, but we still got paid. That was the first, I think, the first uh, dime I ever made out of music, you know? Telly, telly. Um, who did you do that with again? Was that, did you do that with Graham, or did you do that with... Uh... Yeah, it was me and Ben. Me and Ben, ben yeah. Murphy, I think, yeah. yeah. He, he was actually really good. He was really good at, you know, DJing and stuff like that, so I learned yeah. a little bit from him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was that. was that. And so I, I actually once, I picked up the Yellow Pages one day, and I found Pulse Recording School, which was one mm. of the first... Colleges of, of audio engineering of its kind in Ireland when I wow. called them. Yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, I want to come in and do a course. And funny enough, the lady that answered the phone was actually, she was the administrator, but she's also one of the owners. And I'm still really good friends with her to this day. But she, um, she was like, you're a little bit young. She said, but well, come in on Monday with your mother and we'll, we'll sit down and have a chat, you know? Yeah. So I went, went in, sat down, talked. And in, in many ways, like I was mature enough to like you know i was mature in some ways and very immature in other ways when i came to like getting into mischief and stuff but I you, yeah, she yeah. she was like oh you, you know you're you're a great candidate you you play instruments and you do a little bit of dj and you know you're everything we look for in a student but i'm not sure if i can take you because your age you know okay so she goes i gotta look into a few things i think she had to look into insurance and probably ask the other partners and all that kind of yeah, stuff yeah yeah and I think it was later that day she called me and she was like, yeah, you got a place starting in September. So I started in there when I was 15. Wow. And yeah, you were very young. Too. I mean, that's that's going into, that's like going into your your first year of a degree course and you're 15 years old. If you look at yeah, it that way, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, everybody was, the, the youngest person after me was 20 in that, in that course. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're right up to 40, I think, you know. And, and the thing was, I think I mean, that's where I grew up, man, because I got in there <clears throat> and I was really focused in school. Mm. I was messing all the time. And there yeah. I was, like, really into it. So it was like I was getting credits and merits and mm. I ended up just mature, maturing in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I suppose so, you, you it would um, mature you pretty quickly. You'd, you'd have to kind of grow up fast, isn't it? Once you found your niche, it's like, you're like okay, this. I think you're like, I think this is what I want to do. So I'm just going to give it my all and knuckle down. That's great. Like, 
yeah. It was it was kind of a, I guess it was a a life change. It was kind of, I kind of saved my life in a way I'd say because I was I was going down one path and you know this kind of changed that direction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, and it gave me a bit of a head start in 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 the stuff that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Because <clears throat> I, I I ended up I moved to LA then when I was nineteen. So if mm-hmm. I, I mean if I hadn't done that course when I did and I had finished school and and done a leaving cert and all that stuff. It probably would have been my early twenties then before I, you know, before I got to doing that that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, it probably would have been years later or something like um, before you kind of, you know, got over to the states. And that's kind of the interesting thing I think about you is that um, there's few people I know that have kind of taken that risk and gone stateside without knowing anybody really. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. just kind of starting yeah. from the ground up. Um, I think the only other person I know, and I would know them well, I, I was I met them like once or twice, would be like hip hop artist Rebel Phoenix, who went over to New York, I think, um, two years ago or so, oh, yeah. and was going back and forth, back and forth, kind of thing. And apparently, apparently, he's doing pretty well over there as well, uh, yeah. music wise, yeah, in, in his career. Um, I mean, I, I've met so many various different MCs, and I know that like you've worked with a lot of rappers as well. Uh, prior to going over to America, that that you have mixed, compiled, you've mastered people's albums, and um, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I worked. I worked with like uh, Jesus a lot of a lot of the guys in the Irish scene before I came over. I mean, I started recording in my. I had a shed in my grandmother's back garden, and I had my my little set there. So I was working with, oh man, everybody from. Um, uh, we were only talking about the other day, uh, like Maverick Sabre, when before he moved to England and wow, okay, uh, done a bit of stuff with him with Stephen Deep Reasoning and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, actually, um, I think I was there uh, doing a small video there. Uh, I think I was filming him rapping while he was in your shed. As far as I remember, I mean, this is a long time really? ago. Yeah, oh, I might, wow. I might have been, I might have been, yeah. Yeah, you know, man, we had a lot, a lot of people come through that shed, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Mr. B- I don't know if you remember Byron Hayes. Mr. B did a lot of stuff with him, and mm. then, uh, well, you know, do you know Richie? <clears throat> you um, know Richie? no, Richie. What was the surname? Uh, what's R- Richie? I don't. Know, I can't think of his surname. He's a good friend of mine, man. But he, you think he lives in Barcelona now? He went by Richie. Uh, he's from Greystones, or isn't he? Okay. Oh, yeah, he, he he was an MC as well. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff with DJ Flip, who's a good friend of mine too. I know, I know Ronan. Yeah, yeah, I know, Ronan, I know yeah. DJ Flip very well. Yeah, Ronan. Um, I I actually met Ronan for the first time in LA. Really? Yeah, wow. I was here. He, he he was over here doing a um, he was over here doing a, uh, a tour, and um, you know, people were like, "Oh, you guys should meet." And we did, and he got to LA. He's like, "Man, I don't really like LA." And I'm like, why? He's like, well, everywhere else I went, he said, everybody gave me free food and free drink. And I got loads of girls because they love the accent, you know. But in LA, <laughs> in LA, he said, everybody's just the same. It's like, you know, there's too much of everything. So, mm. but we had a good time, man. We went to Six Flags. He's a, he's a mad, he's a mad bastard, you know. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. he's great he's, crack. He's a, he's a funny, yeah. Okay, I seen him there when I was home. It was not last year, the year before. He was randomly in some uh, place that I was in in Dublin he was DJing on St. Patrick's Day so it was good to see him yeah yeah. But, uh, 
but yeah, um, oh man, was so so many people came through that shed. I did did a lot of beats and uh, a lot of mixes and recording and, and masters for for a lot of Irish artists at the time. And okay. a lot of a lot of a lot mm. of the African guys who came to Ireland and done hip hop, you know. Yeah. Um, and as far as I remember, uh, I I'd only been uh, in that shed slash studio once, but uh, it was fairly. Um, Good, good <coughs> equipment in there. Like the way you ha- you would set yourself up, it was fairly professional. You had drum machines, you had um, various AV monitors, you had um, uh, obviously all the standard speakers you use to record, uh, mix yeah. and master that kind of thing. And plus, you had the microphone with the soundproofing too. So um, it, it looked pretty. I've, I've never seen it once, and I, I, I was like, I was kind of impressed. I was like, this looks really good, you know, like yeah, the way it was all <laughs> kitted out and stuff. Even though like it was a shed, it was still when you walked inside, you kind of got the feeling like shit. This is I'm inside a studio now, kind of thing, you know. Yeah, it had that yeah. vibe to it, like uh, it did. I had a, had a had a had a had a nice vibe, Ari. Um, yeah, you know, looking back now, and I have I have now in this, the studio that I have now, I have a small. Uh, B room studio upstairs, and it's 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 kind of a little similar to that studio, mm. you know. <clears throat> it's it's a lot more professional, but it's a little similar. It's got a, it's got the it's got the same kind of feel to it, you know. Yeah, I suppose we all came from humble beginnings, so I mean, you know, it, it's it's cool to see the progression as well over the years. Yeah. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you uh, was, uh, I was always I was always fascinated with America and particularly the West Coast and California. And I finally got a chance to go there last year. Uh, I don't know how I got gotten. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was in California last year. I went to San Francisco and Los Angeles. And the thing that really struck me about LA was, um, like it, it is a really cool place. But a lot of people were telling me all these things about LA. Were like, oh, you're not going to like LA. And I was like, well, why? Like, well, you know, it's really superficial. I was like, yeah, well, I'm kind of prepared for that. I know that. It's, fuck, it's LA. It, it is, it's, you know, everyone's trying to be somebody. You know what I mean? And I was like, it yeah. is very materialistic. But having said that, I met some really cool down-to-earth people. I mean, because every, everybody in LA is different. And it's like, there's definitely this, this running theme of like, very few people that you meet when you first move there. This is what somebody told me was that everybody has come from somewhere else. Yeah. First of all, which I think is really interesting. So you're always going to have a different experience. And it's such a big place as well. So like, you know, I was I was on Huntington. On, uh, I was in, um, let me see, I was obviously uh, South Beach. Um, uh, what's, where's the promenade walk? Uh, in the big Ferris oh, wheel. Santa Monica. Santa Monica, yeah. So, I mean, I was in those, I, I, those three places, then Venice as well. But every single person I met was a little bit different as well. Um, yeah. There is definitely like this really cool sense of community as well mm-hmm. in Los Angeles that I, that I kind of experienced too. Yeah. Um, what I kind of wanted to ask you was your first impressions when you moved there and like just the, the kind of <laughs> the, the race and the pace of the place as well, because it is a bit of a paper chase too. Yeah. It, it, it was definitely um it was definitely a huge uh, culture shock you know I, I was really lucky um I mean when I first came out here I met some really really good friends that not not involved in music just just you know just real friends you know what I mean I'm still friends with to this day most mm. of them turned out to be from the east coast uh New Jersey Boston New York mm. 
Philly, uh, a lot of my friends just tended to be, and I and I, I think the East Coast people are a little bit more like ourselves. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's more of an Irish influence there and, mm, mm. and whatnot. So, um, and also, I mean, I think it's part of like it really depends on you as well. It's what you are kind of exuding. It's what you're going to attract. You know that yes, kind of way. Yeah. So I mean, if you're doing, if you're if you're that. You know, I, I was obviously here to paper chase myself, but at the yeah. same time, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'd never step on anyone's shoulders to get where I want to get. You know yes, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I find that that's very common here, where you've got friends, and you can just look at these groups of people, and you know, like you know, they're all, and, and you know, they're not real friends. You just you hear yeah, them listen yeah. to the conversations. Hanger, hanger honors, yeah. Yeah, hangers on. It's like you know, but. I was blessed, um, you know, to always kind of recognize and separate the real from the fake and kind of put them in, put them in the box, you know what I mean? So it's like if, you know, somebody's, um, you know, somebody's either a real friend and, you know, you're, you're, you're using that relationship to, you know, for the, for the right purposes and then other, other relationships are business only. So it's like, you know, if you're, if you're smart enough to kind of, see the differences between the people then that's mm. one thing but I, I was blessed in the beginning to, to kind of meet good people and yeah. people who, who i'm still friends with to this day so in that that's sense really cool. yeah yeah it, and but, i suppose it takes time as well maybe even a few years to kind of establish that close-knit group of friends that you know you can depend on and you know they have your back you have theirs kind of thing and uh, obviously, you know that that's that in turn strengthens uh, business relationships too, which oh, yeah. kind of brings me on to my next point of that. Um, you were a I don't, are you still um, a recording artist in terms of um, a beat maker and a producer? Obviously, you you told me about the studio that you're you're still doing the kind of the music thing. Um, yeah, but are you are you more now sort of focused on being the A and R consultant? for musicians um no i mean i love my my, my, my passion actually my, my real passion like a, song, a songwriter producer i would like to say uh, or producer i mean i say i get caught yeah. out in little i know yeah <laughs> you've been there too um, long man <laughs> yeah, but too long. um song songwriting producer would be my first thing and the developing artists so like taking artists from you know from the early stages in, into developing their sound and stuff that's my passion mm. past year and a half um, past year and a half, two years, I haven't been doing doing a whole lot on the creative side of things because we were building the studio and I started the car business and um, I was just trying to get these things set up to a point where like, um, you know, they're kind of running and everything is smooth. And then, you know, so now I'm at the point where I'm like ready to just get back and start making making music again, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm still I'm still doing it, just not not as much as I had been. But yeah. um, you know, 2021, I'm hoping to be doing more music and create more and, and working creatively with art with more artists. And actually, I'm <clears throat> I'm just about to put a thing out where I'm 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 looking for an artist to develop. I mean, I think I have the artist already that I'm going to work with. But I was also thinking about putting a boy a boy band together. You know, because no way. I was thinking about it, yeah, but I think right now I think I've a little bit too much on my plate, so maybe later in the year. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's definitely still a market uh, for that, especially in the US. Anyway, they I know how they love oh, their boy bands. Oh, big time! I mean, other than BTS, I mean, I don't really there's, there's not other any other major boy boy grant boy groups out there right now since mm. One Direction, you know. So. I suppose, yeah, yeah. Um, what's really interesting, I think, as well, um, is that you're quite the entrepreneur like you've started a lot of things 
and you got a lot of these kind of side projects on. And I am particularly interested in how did the whole luxury car rental business come about? How did you kind um, of get into that? That kind of came across. That kind of kind of came about by an accident. By accident, actually, and that's a, an interesting story because it went from being uh, an amazing business um, in the in the early stages mm. to being a nightmare to now being something that I'm I'm working on developing into something new. But uh, anyway, basically, what happened was I had sold my car. And um, I needed to rent a car one day, so I rented a car while I was in the you know, process of getting a new car or whatever. And I, th- I think it was going to Vegas, so I rented the car. And I just noticed um, the guy who I was renting from was like a younger guy, and he had all these cars. And it was like mm-hmm. basically just when I was returning the car, I basically asked him how the business, how yeah. we got into the business, and how yeah. it was run. And he gave me the rundown and was like, Oh, I'm looking for partners and stuff and stuff. And we kind of like connected you know he was like we were kind of like similar age he was, he was actually a little younger than me mm. and um you know we kind of just connected and was like all right now let me jump in and get mm-hmm. these cars and in the beginning it was a lot of fun you're going around getting all these fancy cars and driving a new car every day and then but unfortunately you know like we were just talking about in, in, in a few minutes ago like you mm. know whereas i'm saying I'm, I'm usually good at recognizing the real from the fake you know yes yeah yeah unfortunately this guy you know, and, and it happens, and it's probably the first time it's really ever happened to me, but kind of pulled the wool out of my eyes a little bit. Right. You know, actually, actually, I'm not going to say that completely because I, I do know in the beginning his intentions were in the right place. I do yeah. know that he wanted to build a brand and build a good company, and, and I know that because I know when I got to know about him, I knew where he didn't like to spend his money and where he did. And, and initially he was spending money on the brand and trying to build mm. it and trying to make things right and trying to do things the right way. But then what happened was he got, he kind of got, um, he got greedy. He got a little lazy. His interests went somewhere else. And yeah. basically um, myself and the other partners took a, st- took a step back to let him handle the business himself because he became very difficult to work with. And um, he ran the business into the ground and um, oh he pretty much you know was letting insurance policies lapse and mm. cars hundred thousand dollar cars were getting totaled in like yeah in my name mm. in, in the other in the other partners names and stuff so we ended up having this real uh big mess and and honestly the mess is still not completely dealt with now but i have a I have a new partner now that I'm doing the cars with. He runs the he runs the day to day business. He takes mm. care of the cars and he has everything up to par, like the insurance and all that. So now it's running it's running a little more smoother now. Um, eventually, yeah. it's a business that um, it's kind of it was a big lesson where I learned. You know, you don't really jump into things without knowing a yeah. little bit more about certain things. You know, but. I've learned a lot about that business now, and it's a very, very, it's, a, it's actually a very tough business. Um, mm-hmm. And the guy, the guy that's running the cars for me now is like, I'm, I'm very grateful for him because he's, yeah. he's such a hard worker, and I see how he runs his own stuff. And but um, you know, eventually, then when I get everything back set with that, I mean, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to scale it down, but scale it up if that makes sense. Where mm-hmm. I want to reduce the number of cars that I have, yeah. but just have more kind of higher end cars. And just have everything running smoothly, and I mean, it's just, but it was it was a big lesson. Um, at the same time, as bad as it was, it also helped fund the studio at the beginning. You know, cool. Yeah, so yeah. In they that worked sense, hand in hand. Then, yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. So I look at it in that way, and it's like, all right, I can't sting that, but it doesn't hurt that yeah. bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> cool, cool. And what's the name of of your studio? Yeah, Playback LA. Playback LA. Cool. It's got a nice ring to it. And yeah. um, prior to that, um, did you worked for um, Death Row, didn't you? At some point, you did a, a stint there. Yeah, well, so um, it wasn't directly Debt Row Records, but it was pretty much everybody from Debt Row Records. Wow, okay. Uh, Debt Row Records is owned now by some company. Um, it's like it, they more just sell like merchandise and T-shirts and they reissue the music and I stuff see. like that. Okay, yeah. Who, I actually worked for um, Doggy Style Records, so for Snoop Dogg, and then a producer called LT Hutton. Um, they, were, they had a studio partnership. And all of the guys there were all like ex that role and cool. stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that's, I'd say that was an opening, uh, Danny. That was a pretty cool experience to have, you know, meeting all those guys. Oh, uh, that was great. I mean, that was very eye opening stuff. <laughs> yeah. Shit that I, I mean, stuff that I have some stories from that place, but I, that was my first internship. So, like, I came here, done a nine month course, coming toward the end. <clears throat> it's a long story. It was a funny story. Uh, these guys had come over. To the to the college and they were like, oh, we're looking for interns. Um, it was these two guys. One guy was an engineer from New York. He was uh, he was an engineer for Bryce Wilson, who was a producer who was married to uh, Tony Braxton back in the day. Mm. And they was coming over and they were like, oh, we need. So they rounded up all these students from the college and brought us over to this studio. So the studio was a, was a actually was a famous building in Hollywood, a famous studio called um, Hollywood Sound. Now it's gone now, right? Ooh, but. Uh, yeah. It's there from the seventies. Everybody from Art Wind and Fire, Michael Jackson, everybody's yeah, been in there. That recording. name sounds familiar, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a very very popular studio. So we get over there and they bring us upstairs. So the guy was the owner of the actual building was mm. this new engineer that's that's going to be renting upstairs. And we get up there and it's like a, it's like a total mess. It was like nobody been there for like so they were basically trying to just get all these students to come over and record. Uh, sorry to clean up, you know. So. Uh, Anyways, we get in there, and um, at one point, they had these two students try and bring a tape machine, a big uh, tape machine down the stairs, and I'm like, man, somebody's going to get hurt here. I'm like, fuck this. I'm, I'm going downstairs with a cigarette, you know? So I'm outside, and I'm smoking, and um, this guy comes from the downstairs studio, comes outside, and he goes, uh, the, the owner, actually, the owner of the building who brought us there, he was actually turned out to be this alcoholic dude, and he'd always have, I don't know if you know, the 7-Eleven Big gulp cups, the big yeah, huge. Cups. Yeah, yeah. He'd always have one of those in his hand, oh, no. vodka, you know. <laughs> he, Just like in the movies. <laughs> yeah, sure he's standing there drinking his big gulp of vodka, and he's like, um, he's like, uh, oh, these are all interns, man. And da da da. And the dude turns around. This guy was a, stood like a white guy. He turns around. He goes, "Any of you guys into hip hop?" And I think I think I was the only one who said, "Yeah." which was weird. And uh, he goes, come back tomorrow at noon with your resume. So I did. I went back the next day, a resume, I walked in and um, like, this is the downstairs half of that same building. And I seen all these plaques and stuff on the wall. And I was like, there was two pack plaques on the wall. The first one you walk in is wow. a two pack. Yeah. Um, 22 until the end of time. Like, yeah. And I walked in and um, the guy brings me in anyways. And does the interview. And I seen a few people walking in. Like I, that I kind of recognized, didn't know who they were by name, but like, oh, they look familiar or whatever, you know? Mm. And um, anyways, he says, you got the, in yeah, you start tomorrow at 12. So 
the next day I started at 12, I still didn't know whose studio it was. I mean, I seen all these records on the wall, Snoop Dogg, and, um, Tupac, and there was the Dead Row stuff, and there was this and there was that, and there was Warren G, and all of this stuff, you know. But And then it ended up turning out it was Snoop Dogg and LT Hutton's studio, you know. No way. So my, my boss was primarily uh, LT, uh-huh. and then I, I, I was there for a year and a half. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a crazy, crazy experience that um, just happened completely by accident, you know? Yeah. You know, that's seriously cool. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever had a, an internship or work experience like that before. And put in, I'd say you'd make some pretty cool contacts out of that too. I mean, music industry contacts as such and various different, you know, the future that became business contacts too, which would be great. It is, yeah. I mean, if still to this day, um, you know, I'm still, I'm still connected with them. I mean, LT was like, a, like one of my mentors. And he, my next job that I got after that was working for a mix engineer called um, John Marie Horvat, who's like one of the biggest, um, you know, one of the most renowned mixing engineers of our generation. I mean, his his inaugural mix, I think, was Michael Jackson's Dangerous. You know. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's pretty but, cool. Yeah, I went on to work for him, and then I'm I'm still in touch with some people from that camp that are that are involved in music, and some of them are involved mm-hmm. in sport, in 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 boxing and stuff like that. So, which is something else that I'm kind of semi involved, like trying to get involved in. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, there are connections that you you know you hold hold for for life. You know, when I, when I was there as an intern, <clears throat> like just an interesting fact, mm-hmm. there was one other intern that was there from another school not the school that i went to here but from another school now who who have actually all my interns at my studio are from because he he and i were the only interns that lasted in there the year and a half that i was there maybe 20 25 interns came and got fired or came and left because they couldn't yeah i mean we were doing we were doing 70 and 18 hours a day you know that's their long days Long days, six to, uh, five and six days a week, and then some people, some people couldn't, some people couldn't, you know, couldn't hang, or else they just didn't have the etiquette, you know. You mean yeah. you keep your mouth shut. Mm. In, for most part, in that situation, you keep your mouth shut unless you're spoken to. Right. Your opinion right. doesn't matter as an intern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have guys coming in, and they'd be like, you know, I remember one night there was this, uh, you know, this Latino guy. He's a real nice guy, but. He had a he had a thing for you know he had a bit of a drink thing and also he'd have a yeah. few drinks. This one night, uh, LT had one of his artists in the booth and they were like trying to go over these takes over and over again. And LT right. was like having having a bit of an issue trying to get her to do what what he was trying to get her to do, you know. Yeah. So so the guy you know, had a few drinks on them and he, he kept walking up to the thing and he kept you know just standing in the front oh. and he was like trying to he was trying to he was trying to help. He thought he was trying to help. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just giving it all that, and then as soon as he left down that night, the LT had turned around to the, the engineer who hired him. He's like, "Sam, dude's got to go. You got to be got to go tomorrow. He's gone." But, oh no! Like, oh, poor dude. Yeah, he just fucked yeah. up. I guess that's it. <laughs> In that situation, there was, there was, yeah. There was a lot of that, you know. Cool experience to have that as well, and to work with the likes of LT and then uh, and affiliated yeah. for Death Row. Um, it was, I mean, it was amazing. As a kid, man, like growing up listening to fucking Tupac, you know, and then just accidentally walking into pretty much what was Death Row Records yeah. later on. I mean, it was insane. And then, as I told you, I, went, I actually met John Marie through that because I used to bring hard drives out to John Marie, who was mixing the records. And that's how I got talking to him. And then at one point, I went back to Ireland. I had to renew my visa, got stuck there for six months, and I was 
I knew my position in the in the LT studio was gone, and uh, you know, just like hard to get back in there. Plus, you know, I, I knew I was kind of ready to move on from that. So I was hounding John Marie every day on Facebook, and was like, "Oh, when you get back, come and see me." And I and mm. I did, and he ended up giving me the job. And um, being in there, the the owner of that studio where he was renting his studio from, uh, he was also um, one of Death Row's engineers. So he had like a bunch of Death Row. Um, that role plaques as well. He was one of the main engineers, and then he was one of Michael Jackson's main engineers mm. as well. Not not John Marino. He did mix from from Michael Jackson, but the guy who owned the studio, his name was Paul Foley, and he at the time was recording everybody, everything that was top twenty in in the Billboard charts. Paul Foley's name was on there as the wow. recording engineer. You know, that's so, some repertoire, all right? That's some. Yeah, uh, he has a serious repertoire, and he, and he was in Ireland. He went to Ireland with um, Michael Jackson for two or three months. I don't know if you remember when Michael Jackson was living over there, but they were working out at Grouse Lodge. Do you remember Grouse Lodge? No. Where was that? Grouse Lodge is it's actually still there. It's down in it's in, in Mead, I think. And it's okay. absolutely it's it's a farm, you know, farmhouse built yeah, into yeah. a state of, state of the art recording studio. You should look at uh, you should look it up. It's called Grouse Lodge, but yeah. it's got um, it's got a an, like Olympic sized swimming pool, quad bikes, horse riding, archery, wow. shooting, fishing. It's a, yeah, it's a studio. It works. Wanna, you know, yeah, it works. And I, I was supposed to get an internship there when I was about sixteen, but unfortunately, what happened was so my cousin was in Aslan. You know, remember Aslan? Yeah, I remember Aslan. Yeah, he was in the band. Was he cool? My, yeah, my cousin was the bass guitarist in in Aslan. He left the he left the band about twelve year about twelve years ago and yeah. went to. Um, Australia, but he was like the bass guitarist and one of the main songwriters. Uh, he wrote, he wrote, you know, this is and yeah, crazy. Yeah. Cool. But, yeah. but he, but he um, was a friend of the owners who owned Temple Bar uh, recording, you know, Temple Bar Music Center, yes, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, he was trying to get them in there to do an album. Yeah, I think they ended up doing something in there, and maybe they did before this. But he was trying to get them back in. Yeah, and. He was like, oh, you give my cousin an internship. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, you know, talk to Richie down there and blah, blah, blah. And I was almost getting an internship there. But then it turned into, a, I think when he realized they weren't going to record there, he turned around and was like, oh, you know, he, he went to Pulse. If he goes and does a course in my place, you know, we can give him we can give him an internship. It's more of a, like a politics thing, you know. Yeah, I mean? yeah. I went to do because he had his own school and I went to new school. But of man, course. That's, that, that was a serious, that's a serious studio there, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's known as the Button Factory now, um, but they still have the studios upstairs, and I think they still oh, yeah. run the college as well. They, uh, I think that's still a, a thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Pulse uh, and Pulse had a whole rebranding thing in Ireland too. Pulse College because they do a lot of um, they do sound engineering, sound science courses now, and sound. Um, what's the thing called where you do you mix sound with 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 a, with AV displays and that kind of thing. Oh yeah, they're doing. They're doing like uh, they're even doing uh, video game design and everything now. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. huge. When I, when I went to Pulse, Pulse was a, it was a beautiful studio, the great studio, and then they had like a the small college on the side, you know, and they had the two of the things kind of intertwined. But they're huge now. They own um, they own Windmill Lane now. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what it's based on. You know, amazing. Yeah, and Windmill Lane's an amazing place as well. And um, I've seen the yeah. inside of that once. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Women Lane is basically Ireland's Abbey Roads, you know. Yeah, yeah, oh, serious studio. I, I know um, a sound engineer uh, who mixed uh, Deep Reasons album. Um, I think he used to work for it was either Women Lane or 
one of the other big studios, but he worked for the studio for like 12 or 13 years and then went to freelance and did his own thing. But uh, yeah, yeah um, cool, cool places, all right. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah uh, it, it's really cool that um, you've had all these kind of experiences and, um, and then of course, you know, flash forward to the end of 2019, COVID-19 hits. Um, what was going through your mind then? I mean, the States is kind of in a really weird place now. I think with the pandemic and politically as well, um, how are you sort of coping with um, the challenges you're, you're facing with your business, with the car rental thing, with your your, your studio, with trying to work with, at least, at least I suppose you can, you can still work with other artists, but like things like social distancing, more, are you spending more time on kind of Zoom calls or Skype calls or how is that working for you? Um, yeah, I mean, me personally, like, I'm lucky enough to be like, uh, most of my work at the moment is involved around the phone and the computer. So I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home and stuff. Or I like to try and be in the studio as much as I can just as a base to work from, you know. Mm. But I'm, I'm, I'm personally not engineering stuff. My business partner, he's a... Uh, He's there now every day and he's putting in long hours. He's, he's like, you know, really good in that way. But I mean, that's what he's loving to do. He's loving being there. He's mixing and recording. And then, you know, my artist, Austin Sexton, who you've probably seen me promote, he's in there doing a lot of his stuff and yeah. working with a lot of other artists in, in every day and stuff like that. But yeah, when COVID hit, you know, it was scary. I mean, we were, we you know, the funny thing about it was uh, we, we, we moved into the studio and in, 2018 right yeah uh february of 2018 mm-hmm. and um no 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 february of 2019 i want to say and um or am i i got that wrong um we were there exactly a year when covid hit yeah 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 and the renovations i mean we renovated everything every single corner like everything from the toilet to everything we, we pulled out everything and done everything from new so it took us you know the guts of a year because honestly we started with like we we didn't start with a um we didn't have any startup capital mm-hmm. i had i had my gear from my home studio um um my business partner my we have two business partners my business partner had his gear from a, he had a very big studio in santa barbara so his gear was a you know substantial gear for the main room that we had mm-hmm. And we, we had, you know, our own funds that we were bringing to the table, you know. Cool. So the crazy thing about it was, you know, we, we and then we used a lot of we used a lot of the materials and stuff from the previous studios to design the studio that we have now. So we were very resourceful in that sense. And then, you know, we finally got the studio pretty much finished. Both rooms were finished. It's, the lounge was the last thing that was kind of like not finished. But we were operating got the small room up and running as fast as we could so we could have that operating while we built out the big room and such. But the crazy thing about COVID, COVID hit and the, 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 the lockdown hit right after the first month we went, we got in the green. Wow. Every other month, we're putting yeah. money towards it to cover rent and stuff, you know? Mm. So we have our first month where the studio finally pays its own rent. Oh, yeah. And now COVID hits and oh, we got to go up. Yeah. yeah, we got to start business for two months. So we ended yeah. up, you know, two months behind. So it was, you know, but then we, we got creative. And we, mm. you know, we we used our, you know, our, 
you know, we got creative, either we were, you know, using promotions to do music or mixes or whatever it was to kind of just keep things, just to keep things afloat, you know. And um, then lucky enough, the studios became exempt from the lockdown and we just, mm-hmm. we just got, you know, very serious about um, uh, sanitizing yeah. and doing our best with social distancing and limiting because a lot of our clients like to bring in a lot of unnecessary people. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. you know, only, the only entourage, people, of course. You know, yeah, the entourages and all that kind of stuff. So, so you know, just just bring in the key people, yeah. engineer, producer, artist, and that's it. And, you know, so lucky enough, we've been fairly busy um, in terms of in terms of uh, recording um, daily and stuff. And we've got some label contracts and all that kind of stuff. So that that keeps us going in there. Thank thank God, you know. Mm. That's really cool because, like. That was very lucky that, you know, they passed that law that you were able to operate within studios. The studios were exempt because I'd say so many other businesses have to either close or operate, um, you know, delivery only or or or, um, uh, or order for collection, that kind of thing. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. it hurt everybody. It hurt retail. It hurt coffee houses and bars were fucked completely because like, bars had to close as well. I mean, a similar thing happened in Ireland as well. It was the same thing over here, you know, it was like, all non-essential retail has to close, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, God. it's pretty sad. It's, yeah. I mean, it's real. So even when my local Irish bar now, I don't know if they're they've been around years. I mean, and that place was my home away from home when I first got here. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I met I met some of my best friends in there, but it's like even them now. I don't know if they're going to survive this. Um, and then some places I was up north for the holidays, um, and some places are just like you know, fuck it, you know. It's like we we either open. And break the. I mean, I don't think it's exactly a law. It's more of an ordinance or whatever. But yeah, it's it's like it's either you know break the rules here and try and make some money or not. So there was some bars that were like actually open up there. They yeah, weren't supposed to do, but yeah, they're open. And they're like, you know, we got yeah. So you can't knock them for it. I mean, I understand. It's like, but then this thing is it's also a serious thing. There's a lot of people it going is. for it. So, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, the numbers in Ireland are now. I don't know if you heard, but like they've now jumped up to. Uh, coming up to over 3,000 cases now, the 4,000 cases. So that's the highest. Yeah, I know. That's the highest since last March. So, so we're, we've gone kind of back to uh, March figures. So they're hoping, obviously, that, you know, with this new lockdown, that those numbers will go down a bit. I know the States is on fire with COVID. Uh, not only that, like, I mean, the events that transpired uh, last Thursday, I'd love to hear kind of briefly your views on that. I mean, storming the Capitol building, things that people thought Americans thought they'd never see in their lifetime, you know, just crazy stuff like that. It's, yeah, oh man, unbelievable. I mean, honestly, like, up until, I guess, these past couple of years, politics is just something that I never was, like, really, like, you know, politics and religion are two things I don't really like to talk about. Yeah, yeah. That's understandable. (laughs) I mean, it's just unavoidable here at the moment, you know? know. Yeah. So it, it, it really, in one way, like, I mean, I think it made everybody more aware no matter what side you stand on yeah um it brought a lot of it brought a lot of the youth into into you know looking more into you know the importance of politics or whatever yeah. you know what i mean yeah but um i mean all the stuff that happened last week i i, I just don't know man i don't know where these people's heads are at so where do you think they're you know where yeah. I, I just i just don't get it man and i, I don't like you know I, I try and kind of compare it to back home and it's like mm. You know, sometimes I think we're a little bit too much. We're a little too lackadaisy. Mm, you know, sometimes mm. we need to get out and do some shit like that. You know, yeah, that kind of, yeah. that kind of way. But 
not not to that extent. I yeah, mean, I mean, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Like, I mean, not to the extent where you're going to endanger other people's lives or threaten yeah, yeah, people. Exactly, that's crazy exactly. stuff. Like you know, exactly. Yeah, not not to that extent at all. But, yeah. Um, it's just it's just a polar opposite, like you know. Mm, we, just back, we, 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 we just sit back and it's like, ah, fuck it, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, yeah, it's, no, it's gas because even like with protests, it's like you know, three hundred people turned out today to protest against the whatever. You hear the news like, oh, great, yeah. three hundred. You know, two thousand people could have forgotten, and it was like a peaceful protest. That's all you hear, and the rest exactly. of people are like, yeah. I'm going to go out and protest and they never do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. And, and over, over here, they're, you know, over here, the fucking, you know, people are getting killed and then there's people getting ran over with cars. If you remember that one a few months back, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. running through the, ramming through the crowd. Yeah. Charlottesville. I, mean, I remember that. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. yeah. Black Lives so Matter. Mm. Exactly. So yeah, all the stuff that's transported from, man, I mean, I think there's some way open and stuff and there's a lot to be learned, but mm. um, I mean, to me, it's still, it's just, it's just, it's just, I'm flabbergasted by It's just, it's just unfortunate that it's gotten to this point that, you know, this is a man that people were sort of allowing him to do and say what he wanted for the past four years. And mm. it was, it was kind of an inevitable that these acts of violence were going to happen. I mean, they, they, it's become incendiary. It's, it's amazing how, I think he's the first president in US history that has divided the country that much. That yeah, it's, it's pushed yeah. people on the brink of almost, what, civil war? Do you know what I mean? You know, the co- like, I, I didn't, like, oddly enough, man, like, I'm half, I'm half Iranian, like, and, and growing up, Early school, I, I, like I, I dealt with some racism, like believe, you know, believe it yeah. or not, like. But I mean, we, I mean, and new. The thing about New Park was actually great. New Park was a pretty diverse school. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean. Yeah. Compared to where I went to school in Bray, like you know what I mean. So growing yeah. up, there was a little bit, but you know, I never, I never really, never really bothered me to the point where it was like, you know, and then, and then even growing up, it didn't really, I didn't really like, you know, have see much of it in Ireland or whatnot. But when I got here. And uh, you know there there is there is quite a separate like, there is there, there still is quite a separation here. But you're right, you know, in the mm. last in the last four years or whatever, it's been it's been on a whole different level. It's just mm. you know, open, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know, man. And then I don't know the other things that are they're coming out coming to light now back home as well with the um, mother and baby home. That's right. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, I, I think I think it's good that that report has come out. Um, I don't really get. Um, what good it's going to do in terms of um, the Catholic Church kind of have to face responsibility of what they were involved in as well. I mean, these these kind of reports are great when they come out and it's like, yes, we acknowledge these victims and that. But without holding anybody accountable, the state and the Church still have yet to be held accountable for letting yeah. this happen in the first place. That's unbelievable. I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. You know I mean? The Catholic Church are still an incredibly powerful entity. Maybe not so much in Ireland, but worldwide still have an incredible amount of influence of power and money as well. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, my mom was saying, <laughs> you know what we should, they should do? Just take all their land away from them. Take their land away. And I was like, that's a great idea. That might get them to listen to it. <laughs> they still have exactly. a lot of land here. So, you know. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but, uh, you know? I mean, the church and religion and state should be completely separate. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, I, I know that the Irish state will say, oh, no, we are separate. We're not. We're a completely separate entity. But they, they don't tell yeah. us what to do with it, which technically on paper might be true. But there's still this element of, of distrust and of the public distrusting the states, like as in they're still in cahoots 
they're still supporting each other kind of thing. They're still yeah. covering things up or whatever. You know, this there's a lot of work to there to be done anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're definitely behind in that sense. We get, you know, but mm. these things these things will will help change that, please God, you know. Yeah, absolutely. No, like it is a very positive step that, that this report has come out as well. It's funny, this 2021, the start of 21 seems to be the year of of just like eye-opening events and jaw-dropping, shocking stuff, you know, and yeah. what happened in the States and what happened with, with the, in Ireland, Mother Baby Homes too. And I'm just kind of waiting for the next, <laughs> the next shell shock, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's scary. And the world is a scary place, man. I mean, right mm. now, it's a very scary place. God, you know, God knows what's, what's next. And I don't, we don't know what's going to transpire here over the next few weeks when this transition is going to happen with the presidency yeah. as well. So. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. It's very, very weird. Certainly going to be interesting. I saw the photos um, coming out of New York Times and Time Magazine, 20 plus thousand American Guard troops sleeping on the floor of the Capitol yeah. building. I mean, there's some really stark images of like stuff that nobody thought we'd ever see happen. Um, yeah. And it's good that they're there. I think they need the security. Yeah. If, if anything's going to kick off, it's probably going to kick off during the inauguration and we don't want that. That's exactly. a disaster, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's good that they're Jesus, they're taking it seriously now. Anyway, that's for sure. It's it's just unfortunate that four people have to die before people to really take action. I know. Yeah, very. It's it's. I don't know. Man. It's just on a, the political thing here is on a totally different level. Mm, mm. I don't know. Like I, I said, I mean, I I used to I used to ignore it, and I mean not so much ignore it, but just not really acknowledge it, I yeah. guess, and just focus on it. But now it's like, no, you can't. And now you like, you feel irresponsible for not participating. Yeah. And I mean, this, this this was actually ironically my first year where I was in uh, where I was uh, able to vote as a citizen. Oh, wow. so, great! Yeah, congratulations! So, you know, yeah, so it's good that yeah. you can you can vote and be part of that process as well. You know. I did my part for better or for worse. I don't know, but I did. Let's hope Biden actually puts his money where his mouth is now and starts to try to turn things around, you know? Yeah. So that's it, you know? Uh, what else? The, I wanted to talk to you just very briefly just about uh, networking in the LA music scene. Uh, yeah. What was that like for you in the beginning? And what's that like currently for you now? Are there like new players in town that you want to link up with or, or, you know, is it still as exciting now as it was when you first went over when you were 19, 20 years old? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, the music scene, it's, it's always exciting. You know, at the same time, it's like I realized with my short stint doing A&R for um, Atlantic Records that how much the business has changed from not not when I just came over here, but even a little bit before then. Like my, my dream job, you know, for a long time was to be an A and R man. You know. Yeah. And then I finally, after Jesus, like going through so many roads, I finally got this, you know, shot at working at A and R at Atlantic Records, and it was in the hip hop. Now, I, I personally would have preferred at this stage to be more in the pop or um, in the pop or the rock department, Ooh. as opposed to the urban department, because where hip hop is now is. I'm not really into the current stuff my, yeah. myself. Yeah, a lot of my, a lot of my client, like a lot, a lot of this. I mean, just, just a lot of the mainstream stuff. I'm not. There's still a lot of stuff, a lot of great stuff out there. You know what I mean? But personally, what I listen to and what I know, you know, when it comes to finding talent, is like, I guess I'm a little bit past what's there now. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but when it comes to pop and rock and stuff, I'd be a little bit more versed in that stuff. But um, 
so basically um, what I realized was like, you know, it's not going out and finding talent and mm. coming back and saying, you know, listen, I found this new artist or this new band that are like insane. Let's get them in the studio. Let's give them a shot. At, on the, in the record label, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. You know, it was like, mm. you, you had to come back with numbers and stats and everything's about data, which I think is very important. And it's a useful tool. And it's great yeah. to have data there to be like, oh, you've got X amount of followers. You've got yes. X amount of streams. Yeah. But tell me, how are you going to find the next Jimi Hendrix looking at data? How are you going to find the exactly. next, yeah. the next Beatles or Rolling Stones looking at data? Because I'm going to tell you, they, those, most of those guys who make music like that aren't sitting around trying to figure out how to use Instagram. Yeah. And gain followers. The they're real music. They're making art and they're making good music. That's what they're spending exactly. time at. Yeah, exactly. The real musos, you know. So I, I kind of took a step back from. I'm like, you know, like it's not the way it was back in the day. It's like them days are kind of over. So it's more like you know, sitting around in an office now, scrolling online, looking for people with some gimmick or some big numbers or whatever. I mean, there still is, you know. Obviously, there's going to be, but it's just not like it used to be. But um, but with the studio. And with the partnership that I, the way I'm set up with the studio, we have so the studio, and then I have my kind of management company, and then my uh, other business partner, he has his uh, music group, right? So between the between the three systems, we can we can bring artists in, develop artists, and then we have all the connections with the labels to be able to do things the way it used to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the way I yeah. want to do. So if I find someone, if I have a client, if I have a random client that comes in the studio today and i'm like fuck me they're amazing i can yeah. you know i can offer them some sort of a deal to be like you know you do you want to come and work here we develop you whatever and in that sense it works better for me than going around looking on the internet for the next big thing because that's cool and it's always probably better and more interesting doing these things in person in some sort of meeting capacity of like you know, to sign somebody or like that representation stuff, then as you said, being stuff and looking at stats and figures all day. Because I know yeah. that a lot of the music industry, um, I mean, I don't obviously know how to work in the music industry, but from being exposed to a lot of pop music and, and a lot of pop, popular hip hop now, mm. I can see why you're, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of, um, you're kind of fed up with, american hip-hop as it stands at the moment a lot of people are because it's, it's all very much just about the materialism and not really about the art form itself and not really focusing on the lyrics and then there's this whole new element of trap and there is some don't get me wrong because there is some great trap hip-hop but yeah a lot of what i heard is pretty shit to be honest and it, it's yeah just <laughs> rap and stuff like that and you're like but yet these guys are doing that and they're making fucking millions and you're like how the oh yeah, this money. Do you know what I mean? It's I just... mean the, the 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 bigger names that you know, and the, and the producers. Them, but it, my my problem. I'm not going to mention any names because a lot of these people are my clients now. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you <laughs> got to but, but I wasn't going to say anything bad. I mean, I'm just saying they're making they're making music and they're making money. But the thing is, like the trap, my thing is like a, a lot of it sounds the same. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, and people used to say that about pop before this trap stuff. Oh, a lot of it sound. You know what I mean? But like. Mm. You know, if you go back to the nineties and you listen to, I mean, at least you still had, you know, with the Britneys and your Christinas and your Backstreet Boys, 
I mean, at least you, if you go back and listen to their catalogs, you, there's great songs in those catalogs. Yeah, yeah, there are. You know, a lot of original written, they wrote their own songs. Yeah. A lot of these groups did write their own songs too. I yeah. mean, well, and a lot of them didn't. I mean, you had your, like, your, your Jason Blooms and stuff writing for these people, but at the same time, they were, they were, there were substance to the songs. You right, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You take a song like Britney Spears, Toxic, or, yeah. you know, um, are then production like the net you had the Neptunes doing a lot of this, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, I forgot the Neptunes, yeah, yeah. I mean, we still have Pharrell who's still doing some great stuff, but mm. I mean, just the current sound, unfortunately, a lot of people have to follow that trend, but you know, it's still you know, things, things are going to move, things are going to come back around. I think things are going to go back, I think things are going to go back to 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 song, you know, real song format and stuff, yeah, at, yeah. at some point. Do you ever and get then, people? Yeah, sorry. Go, go on. What are you gonna say? Uh, just, just about to, to go back to your thing about networking yeah, in, in yeah. LA. Now, the great thing about having the studio—I mean, not now with COVID, but before the COVID thing hit—we started to do a thing called pass the ox. You know, pass the cable. Okay. So we we set up a night once a month where yeah. people would come through. And it could be anybody. You know, they'd RSVP and then they'd come in and then they'd play their stuff. And it was a great way to meet new artists. It was a great way to have people come in and see the studio. And it was just a great way to network with, with, with new stuff out there. So that's just, you know, just to, before I forget about that, but that's one of the things we were doing in terms mm -hmm. of networking, you know? Cool, cool. Pass the Ogs. That's that's a cool uh, name for a, a night, a promotions night as well, you know, a networking yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, very catchy stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, like, that's cool. It's given me real insight into into what it's like to be living the, the music life uh, to be being a producer to to an A and or person, um, I, I I've been involved in gigs uh, minuscule compared to what you what you what you've been involved with, but uh, have been like you know really good fun as well. Um, I started hosting nights um, with Deep Reasoning where we put our own hip hop night in various venues in Dublin. This is well before COVID. Now we kind yeah. of started this a few years ago. We used to do these, these kind of uh, small, intimate setting gigs where, you know, 70, maybe 100 people might call, turn up in the night and we'd have a list, a roster of MCs. So it might be five or six MCs during the night, you know, that kind, and then one main act. And we used to kind of divide it up. But um, I, I, I was the host of these events and it oh. gave me a taste of like, yeah, shit, I, I can actually do this and I'm actually enjoying it. So like yeah. that got me kind of thinking to like, well, I should start doing a podcast then where I'm, you know, interviewing people who are creative professionals and are kind of killing them in terms of what their, their, their discipline is. And, you know, it gives people a platform then to discuss art and discuss culture and music and that kind of thing for the reference point behind it. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's really cool. Um, and you just reminded me there of like, just talking about LA, just talking about the music industry, reminded me of my time going there last year for the first time ever and what really struck me about los angeles was um just the versatility of the place but also how iconic it is like it was great being able to go to places like I'd, i've read about in magazines before the internet yeah. or you know standing on sunset strip and going into the rainbow bar and grill and you know having my jack and coke and looking at the bar and thinking like that's where lemmy from motorhead used to sit you know and things like that just yeah. really fucking cool just to be there that's one, as of well. my favorite, that's one of my favorite bars actually you like the rainbow yeah i love the rainbow yeah. did you see ron jeremy when you were there 
No, I actually didn't know. Uh, well, does he does he frequent the place a lot? Would like he's or is he's it... involved with it somehow. He's yeah, he's like literally there every night. I'm, I'm surprised or not, but I mean, I don't know where he is now because I think something came out about him. Oh really? Earlier this or in the middle of last year about some there was some sexual stuff came out. I oh, think no. so. Yeah, I don't know, but he. he <laughs> He was literally there every night, so he's he was working there, or maybe he was part. I don't know what he's involved in. Yeah, yeah. Something to do with the place, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I've seen seen some some great, you know, some amazing people there. And yeah, it's a good. But yeah, LA. It's still even to this day, man. Like I love watching even like the, like the movies that are filmed here. And you see all the yeah, spots. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And co- that Cobra Kai. I don't know if you've been watching that, but that's all filmed around the. Uh, up near where I live, you know. Daddy, yeah, yeah. Where is that? Where is because um, I've seen Cobra Kai. I saw season one of hilarious stuff. Um, I haven't seen the rest of them though. Where exactly is that though? Where you're where you're based? It's all that's all based in like Encino, Sherman Oaks, and stuff like that. So I'm in the valley. Okay, um, the valley, cool. Yeah, in, in the in the valley, yeah, yeah. And that's where the studio is. And lucky enough, the studio is only six minutes from my house. You know, very cool. So that look at that. So that's the next thing we're 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 trying to um we want to expand now and even even with the current climate we're looking enough to see that you know we we, we need more rooms you know mm. so that's the next thing on the list is to try and get another another studio space uh, ideally we'd like to have the four corners of la kind of pinned you know yeah and then you know the studio is called playback la hopefully mm-hmm. you know one of the one of these days to be be a playback new york Maybe a playback Miami, you know. <laughs> deadly, deadly. You just branch around. He could do the whole, you yeah. know. Yeah. I'd love De- to. Like yeah. Death Row East, Death Row West kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Walk exactly. around with a science around New York, you know. <laughs> well, actually, my, my, business, my business partner that that had the studio in Santa Barbara, he he's living in, in the East Coast now. So he's from the East Coast and he's back living out there. So he just comes back and forth. He just comes back and he comes out when he's got some sessions here and stuff, but he's mostly based out there. So yeah, I mean, that's something that we're, that we're, that we're looking into, you know, obviously, obviously be, you know, the current climate, we got to get this place sorted out and finished first and maybe get our second spot here, but definitely would like to have a place out in New York. You know, I love New York. It's my favorite city. Deadly, deadly. And like, that's, that's a good roadmap for you as well. And something to kind of, home your energy into as well and uh, new targets for 2021 which is cool um yeah. what is there any sort of other challenges that you can kind of think of that are facing you at the moment um you know apart from the obvious uh, financial business challenges that that everyone's facing is there anything kind of like you'd like to sort of underpin or or, or even like um a side hustle that you might, <laughs> may have kind of left last year and you want to kind of pick it up again um you know i'm always looking at like i'm always looking at new side hustles and anything that can provide passive income you know yeah Um, and the ultimate reason for that not not just to live comfortably but my ultimate reason for that is so i can make music and not worry about paying bills by making music make music to make music make music for the you know yeah. for the art so yeah not not that i have to make music for clients. i mean i want to go and i want to do an album my own album um mm. i don't sing right now but i do write a lot of songs and, and stuff like that mm. and i want to do an album where i'm like featuring a lot of my friends and all that kind of stuff on i mean that's usually my, my main reason but i mean i don't know you know challenges man every day the same challenges as most people yeah with battle anxiety um it's actually even 
crazy like this past year as crazy as it's been for most people my anxiety was actually less than it usually is you know wow. what I mean okay yeah but I but I, I deal with I deal with that you know the way most people yeah. do yeah. um you know like most most artists um mm. you know there's there's always a bit of depression that there that you're battling and some yeah, days you're up and some days some days you're down mm. and I like to put that out there because I know people try to avoid a lot of people try to you know they don't feel like they can you know so everybody goes through it, you know what I mean I firmly yeah. believe that everybody does and um, I mean just staying focused on on your next goal or your next project or, yeah. or the music is something that will, will always help that you know yeah. I mean the music business is a challenging business every day it's it's not an easy business you know no. what I mean um, no. Um, it's, it's quite great. ruthless isn't it as well there is a ruthless side to it and that you kind of you have to be prepared for if you're going to go into it too i'm sure you've it, experienced it that too it's it's, it's ruthless in, in many ways you know yeah, and yeah. the bigger i mean people it, it's great having the studio there and it's great working with big labels and all this yeah, kind of stuff yeah. you know it's i mean the bigger the bigger the people you work with sometimes it's hard, the harder it is to to get paid you know what yeah, i mean yeah. you've got to wait around to collect your you can collect your uh, POs and this, that, and the other, but um, it's just it's just a tough it's a tough game, and you're always trying to stay ahead of the competition. And, but you know, in another way, you know, right now we're we're actually working together with some of the other studios. You know, there's mm-hmm. another studio and um, another studio group called Neighborhood Watch. I give them a shout out because they're really really great guys. Um, sure. They're providing they're providing um, a lot of cool spaces for artists to get in and, nice. and work on. On a great budget, and what they've done now is they've done an they put an app together where people can get on and book the rooms through the apps, and they've networked with us and put up, put our studios on their app. You know, yeah. So we work together. They give us their basically overflow, or give they give their clients an option to work with us instead of them, and yeah. vice versa. You know, we we send our people to them, so it doesn't it doesn't always have to be. Like oh you know we got to compete with these guys. I got to be better with these guys. You know, we, you, if you figure out a smart system, you can work together. You know. Yeah. And and I've always I've always been um, I've always been a, a proponent of that because I'm a big fan of Napoleon Hill, mm-hmm. and I've read his books, The Laws of Success, and um, uh, what's the other one? Um, Tinker Tinker Grow Rich, which is a very popular book, which is one of the things that's connected me with a lot of people. Anyone that I've come across. 90% of the people I've come across here who are doing similar things or trying to do similar things, the one book they've all read is Think or Grow Rich. Wow, right? okay, yeah. Um, and it's like one of the things that he, that always stands to me that he that he uh, says is organized, uh, alloyed, organized, efficient effort or organized, efficient, alloyed effort, whatever way he put it. Yeah, it's basically yeah. People working together um can do much greater things than people working alone. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's all so t- basically teamwork. And then the other one of the other things I like about him is like how he put religion. He's like religion was one of these things that you know was something that could bring kind of civil civilness to the world. Of, you know, that's the right word, but uh, to the world and stuff. But in a way, they kind of abused their power and stuff like that. And I'm just saying that because yeah. we were talking about that stuff earlier. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, uh, that's you know, like I said, that's, that's one of the challenges. Is just you got to keep things, you got to keep things coming in. And mm. um, it's all well and good to have big business and you know big things and big that, but the bigger the business, the bigger the overheads, and yeah. that's always a big stress every day. Thinking you know, we gotta, you gotta make sure that's covered. You know, I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
So, yeah. It just reminded me of another rider, uh, 50-something laws of power. Oh, I don't know. The, the, the 48 laws of power. That's it, Robert yeah, Green. yeah. Robert Greene, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my other favourite. That's one of Is my it? Favorite. I figured... Yeah. Uh, it's really funny because uh, Deep Reason, a.k.a. Stephen Bonner, it's like his favorite writer. And he kind of turned me on to Robert Greene. He was like, no, I haven't read that much stuff, but I started uh, read extracts of the, the, what's the 58 Laws of Power? The 48 Laws the of Power. The 48 Laws of Power. I have to get yeah. that right when I'm in the conversation. Get the audio book, but that's a, that's a fantastic book. The way it's written. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's a bigger book, but it's easy to read. Sorry to cut you off. But yeah, of the course. Way yeah. It's, the way it's written is like, basically it will tell you the, the, the law. And then the chapter will go into one or two, it will go into one story about something from history, from ancient oriental warrior history of, yeah, of yeah. somebody that used the law for good and then yeah. somebody who used the law for bad. Wow, yeah, yeah. And then on the side of the page, it will have some other excerpt of some other way the law was used. Oh, it's a fantastic, fantastic. I'm going to actually read that book again. I have the audio. I'm going to listen to it. It's so yeah. good. The way it's written, you know? oh, he's a fabulous writer. I mean, he was yeah. pretty, he was a genius for what he came up with, the whole system that he came up with too. And I know yeah. that sort of the most successful people in America use that as a Bible. I mean, 50 Cent was one of them as well. So in terms of the rap industry too, uh, uh, this amount, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And thank you so much for joining me on DP's Creative Circus. It's been a oh, great man, it was, insight. It was, it was great. It was great to know that it, that it was you. I didn't know talking to you all this time. I didn't know it was you, you know, so. You, <laughs> like, you, know, you see the man behind the mic. <laughs> yeah, you you haven't changed a bit, man. You look exactly like you did in school, man. So oh, thanks, whatever dude. You're, whatever, you're, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. You know, let me know your, your skincare products or whatever. It uh, is it's a bit know. of the olive oil and good, good old fashioned <laughs> cold Irish fresh air. I think you know in the winter. <laughs> That's that, and, a, and a good a good uh, the good Guinness over there. That's it. I had yes. a dream about Guinness this morning, actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's random. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Oh, I was in Ireland. And I was like, "That's my first Guinness. That's my first real Guinness in a year." But yeah, no, it was it was great, man. It was great chatting, and I have, I have to head out now to the to the doctor and up to God. Being having this problem in my hand, carpal tunnel. So it um, sounds painful. Oh man, it's been eight or nine months of just every day, just crazy pain. So is that I'm like an arthritic thing, or is that from you know when you're touching a, dials all the time and you're? It's a nerve thing. I, I just literally woke up with it one day. I don't really know what exactly caused it, but. Yeah. I tell you, it's 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 been a, it's been a nightmare. So I'm really trying to trying to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, ho- hope everything goes well with the appointment, and you're okay, and it doesn't affect your art too much as well. So that's the main yeah. thing. And uh, good to find out what it is, and, and uh, try to underpin it. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately enough, it hasn't really affected me playing the piano, and so it's just it just get tired a little bit earlier, yeah. you know. But but yeah, but man, it's great great being talking. You tell uh, tell Steve when I said hello. I'm sure I'll absolutely. see you Absolutely, will do. Next. We got a point then or something. Oh, definitely, Dean. Pleasure talking to you, man. Good luck with everything. Thanks Good luck with your endeavors. Cheers, Dean. And you too. Okay, God Take bless care, you. Man. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. See you.